All right, so last week we ended with talking about some of those characters in verses 14 and 15. Let's read 16 through the end of the chapter of the book of Colossians. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it, This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. All right. Uh, So let's talk about this just very, very briefly. Um, When this is read, I just thought that was kind of an interesting way of ending the text. And there were two things that came to mind. One, remember the concept of literacy in the middle part of the first century that there were a number of people who did not have the ability to read, and so this would be publicly read. But I thought that another thing that this proves to us is the importance of what we do when we come together, not just when we have Scripture reading for you know, a minute, minute and a half, but when we read passages together today out loud, there's a pattern for public reading today uh, that we need to be engaged in. Even though we have the ability to read ourselves, at least um, uh, you are all uh, literate, we are literate people, um, that there's value in hearing scripture read, reading along and digesting that information together. Uh, we don't know much about uh, Archippus. We spent a long time talking about different characters. There are about uh, a half a dozen or so characters. Uh, it's likely based on most studies that he's a member of the church in Colossae or at Colossae. And then I thought that it was interesting uh, in the New King James Version in verse 17, it says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Uh, And that to me reminds me of the song, there is much to do, there is work on every hand. Uh, There is work to do, take heed, there is There's jobs to be done. There's work to be done. And this dovetails very well with some of the things that we talked about over the last two weeks, both in this class and in a couple of sermons that David and I have had. And that is, there is truly work for every member of this congregation. And that when you think that your contribution is small or maybe not as valuable as someone who is maybe more uh, public in their service, don't be tricked into thinking that you are invaluable or that you are, that, that, that you are not valuable is the more appropriate way of saying that because you are very, very important to this work. Um, the word ministry, we talked about that word, is the idea of service. And so all of us are ministers in some capacity or another. And that's what Paul is doing here in his closing words. He says, remember my bonds And he requested prayers of brethren. Nothing wrong with requesting prayers. Nothing wrong with saying, will you please pray for me? I think sometimes we're reluctant to say, please pray for me. Because that uh, is associated with, I've got some sort of a weakness. Or I've got some sort of a, a delinquency in my character. So please pray for me. That's not the case at all. Uh, There are great things that we can do by praying for one another. And then the very last thing that I'll mention here is he says, grace be with you. If you remember all the way back five weeks ago, 
when we were studying the first couple of verses of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 2, says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And so here it is again, grace be with you, amen. There's no, no better way to begin or end a letter than with grace and a uh, concept of grace. Any other comments on chapter 4? Because uh, we're going to finish up chapter 4 here, make some quick applications, and then go on to finally Brother Roger here, Cameron. Um, and then we'll go to our quick applications. When uh, you read this where it says, when this letter read among you, also read the letter from the Laodiceans. That's a precedent right there for us to realize that everything that was written is written to everyone. That Every is a Christian. good point. Good point. So just because it was written to Philippi doesn't mean it's not applicable to us. That's a really good observation. Brother David here, uh, Cameron. So it kind of, in a way, reminds me uh, when Ezra opened the book mm -hmm. uh, back in Nehemiah, I think it was, all the people stood up. Um, I, I think it's easy to forget that when we open the Bible, they're not just words on a page. They're words from our Creator, and they should be treated with the utmost reverence and respect, and, and that's the way we should approach our not just our scripture reading in the assembly, but mm -hmm. our personal Bible studies as well. That's a good observation. Very good observation. And if you remember, remember how long Ezra read? The Bible doesn't say how many hours, but it says for a portion of the day. Remember what the percentage was? It's a fourth, wasn't it? Fourth of the day. So whether that means, it probably doesn't mean six hours. It probably means fourth of the, but a long period of time, more than just two minutes of reading um, is the point. Okay, quick applications from Colossians chapter 4, and then we'll deal with big applications from Colossians when we close out our study, because we're going to uh, build in a week of review of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, and we're going to kind of review it all. God is always watching. We should act like he sees, because he does. That's one of the points that we made early on in our study last Sunday morning. Number two, uh, remember he talked about uh, chapter four, uh, our reputation to outsiders, those who are outside of the faith. So our reputations matter. And we talked about how we can spend years building our reputations, but then momentary lapse and then our, our reputations are lost or at least hampered for a period of time. Number three, we should rejoice and share good news about our successes and the gospel effort. Again, I think we're sometimes reluctant to do that. Hey, I had a good conversation with someone about the Bible recently because we, we, come, we feel like we may come across as, as boasting or um, look at the good that I have done. But we are a team. We're on the same team. And so where one person uh, plants, another person waters, and we pray that the Lord will give the increase. And number four, uh, prayer for our brethren is valuable. It's a valuable exercise of our time, which is what we just talked about a few moments ago. All right, let's go ahead now and transition to the book of Philemon. And we're going to spend this week and next week on Philemon. 
And we're only going to cover the first seven verses together today, and then we'll, we'll do the other 18 verses next week. Uh, if we have extra time, we'll go ahead and, and, and push into the section on Onesimus. But let's talk here. Uh, we're going to do some introduction to Philemon. We're going to do, uh, look at some characters, and then we're going to look at the first seven verses. Let's go ahead and read the text. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So it is evident to me just in, in reading those seven verses without making any other big observations that there was a special relationship between Paul and Philemon. He calls him his brother. Uh, on a couple different occasions, we'll make reference to that later in our study together today. Um, he says, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. Um, that's, 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 to me, is imperative. We have the ability to refresh the hearts of our brothers and sisters and to make them stronger. And when you refresh something... You get it back to its right, rightful position or rightful place, and that seems to be the case here. So let's talk about Philemon. We're going to make some, as we always do, some applications at the close of our study together today. Uh, I wanted to start, though, with an introduction by looking at some key characters. I count about six characters in the book of Philemon, which is interesting. It's such a short book. But yet there are six major characters there. You could make the argument that there are three major, major characters. But there are six total characters that make an appearance in the book of Philemon. Let's talk about them. Um, we know who Paul is. And I was just, we were, David and I were just discussing this a, a few days ago with someone in a study. That uh, many people don't realize that Paul is the same as Saul. Now, 90% of those who are here today realize that he is one and the same. But can you imagine someone who did not grow up on a pew or someone who uh, is very new to Christianity? You may have to be patient with them and helping them understand that this Paul is the same as Saul. They say, oh, yeah, I know about him. He was the king. No, not that Saul, different Saul. <laughs> so you can imagine how this might be a little bit challenging for someone who doesn't have a lot of biblical knowledge. This is the Saul of the New Testament that we read about going back to the book of Acts chapter 7 and 8 when Stephen was stoned. And then in Acts chapter 9, 22 and 26, we read about his conversion in the city of Damascus. He is the writer of much of the New Testament. Uh, by my count, 13 out of the 27 books, uh, possibly 14, depending on the, who the author of one other book is that we don't know about. Timothy is also referenced here, and he is Paul's, we call him, son in the faith, because that's what Paul calls him. Uh, 
He was also key in the letter to Ephesus and the letter to Colossae. We remember that from early part of our study of Colossians. Uh, Philemon, we don't know a lot about Philemon, but we do know a little bit about him. Uh, Likely a resident of Colossae and probably someone of considerable standing, perhaps financially, perhaps uh, in the church, perhaps in that community. Someone that was important enough that Paul uh, was going to write this letter to him. Now, of course, uh, as we'll get into Onesimus here in just a minute, uh, the case of Onesimus is what prompts the letter. But Philemon was apparently someone of considerable standing. Aphia, the New American Standard uses the phrase, our sister, probably the wife. uh, I said of Philemon. I should have said Archippus there because that's, that's probably what I think I meant now that I'm going back and thinking about. I was in California when I was writing some of this stuff, and California air makes it a little bit difficult to think uh, correctly. But she, if she's a woman, she's probably a wife of someone, let's put it that way. I was driving yesterday on the 15 outside of San Diego, and I thought, I'm glad I live in Tennessee. Archippus, member of Philemon's household, perhaps his son, some have suggested Onesimus, is a slave and now consequentially a brother in Christ. That's what makes all the difference is is that you went from being this outsider, this non-important slave that's just like everybody else, and now he's a brother in Christ. And that makes all the difference. Relationships get more important and become more important when we become Christians. We've talked about this in our study uh, two weeks ago, that once we become Christians, the relationships that we have with each other really raises to a different level. Our responsibilities, the things that we share with one another, the commonality that we have. And I've said now, this is I think the third time I've said this in our study of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, that you will agree with me that sometimes our spiritual brethren take on a level of precedence to our own physical brothers and sisters or family members because we are so important to one another, because there's so few of us. And when you, are, when you spend a few days surrounded by the world and then you gather back with Christians, that's a refreshing experience, which is what Paul is talking about here in verse 7. Okay, let's go ahead and um, uh, talk about Philemon as a letter. There aren't a lot of these letters. Uh, in fact, there are a few what we would call personal or private letters of Paul. Perhaps there were more, but the Holy Spirit ensured that we received this one so that we could be educated and learn from it. Kind of goes back to what Roger was talking about a few moments ago, that the Holy Spirit wanted us to get this letter. Even though it's a personal letter dealing with a a series of specific personal issues, um, it's a letter that is important and a letter that we're supposed to learn something from. And so I appreciate um, that as we think about all the different things that we study, rather than skipping Philemon to move on to something, quote, more important, we're spending two and a half weeks looking at Philemon. 
uh, generally considered a letter of, of, of commendation, particularly regarding Onesimus, who had met Paul and learned the gospel from him. Uh, we know that Onesimus was a slave who had either run away or escaped, however you want to look at that, had presumably met up with Paul, learned the gospel from him, changed the, the dynamics of his life and of his relationship with Philemon. Uh, the letter does touch on the institution of slavery and its place in the first century and how it's affected by Christianity. If you want to go over and read Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there's kind of a, a neat little parallel text that kind of helps highlight that particular thing. And it is likely written uh, in, some have suggested around 62 or 63, from prison in Rome near the time that Colossians was written. And so a number of the characters that we talked about in our study uh, to Colossae make an appearance here in the letter to Philemon. All right, we're going to get into the text itself here, but before we do so, uh, anything else that we haven't mentioned? We, we, were, we may mention it, but if you want to go ahead and mention it now, uh, happy to, to entertain uh, Brother Bruce here. And then we're going to look at the first three verses. Brother Bruce. I think it's interesting, and I believe that Onesimus was the one who brought the letter uh, to Philemon. Can you imagine, you know, he, he was a runaway slave. He was hmm. guilty of death, maybe. He uh, uh, had possibly taken something from Philemon when he ran away. And to come back with this letter, to come back and face the one he'd done the wrong Right. Against, I think it took a lot of understanding of brotherly love, absolutely, and of, of uh, love for doing the right thing and correcting it with the brother. It's almost like, and as you're talking about that, I'm imagining Onesimus handing the letter to Philemon, maybe shaking a little bit, <laughs> and saying, "Read it before you do anything. Before you act out, uh, read this first. And I, I wrote on my notes, brotherly love, because that is, that's the definition of brotherly love, right? Very good. Okay, yeah, Brother Brian here in, in front, Walsh. I know that we don't know a lot about the circumstances of Onesimus and Paul meeting, but I do think it's interesting to just consider for a second the providence of God. Mm -hmm. You know, that Paul had this pre-existing relationship with Philemon and with the church there. And then he has this interaction with Onesimus, and he has the opportunity to spread the gospel to him. And so I just, obviously we don't know a lot about that, but I do think it's interesting that you have these connections, and then Onesimus is brought into contact with Paul. Absolutely. Do we see other examples in, in the Bible of God's providence working that way? Of course we do. You know, the, the one that jumps out to me is Acts 8, right? When the Ethiopian is reading from Isaiah, and, and God's... And I think, I think Brian makes a really good point. Sincere seekers of God's word will find the truth. We have to make sure that we are in the place to teach them. But if someone is sincerely seeking God's word, um, God has routinely in scripture blessed them with people that will help them. Brother John? In the Colossian letter, Paul talked a lot about uh, the child of God, he put off the old man, the old man died, put on the new. Well, we see that 
and Onesimus. You see the gospel working and doing exactly in a life what it was supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Good picture of that. Very good. And I think it's good that we're studying Colossians Philemon back to back because of those similarities, because of some of those lessons that Paul talks about that are now being put into practice with Onesimus and Philemon. Okay, let's get into the text itself. Thought it was interesting, and we've talked about this before, how Paul chooses to introduce himself. Sometimes he introduces himself as an apostle. Here he just refers to himself as a bondservant or as a prisoner and not an apostle. Um, Some have conjectured that maybe because of the personal nature, he wanted to put a kind of a personal spin or a personal touch on the letter that rather than uh, saying he's an apostle, he's just saying, I'm a prisoner uh, of Jesus Christ or of Christ Jesus and also of Timothy, my brother. Philemon here is referred to as a beloved brother and fellow worker. Talk about, we talked about epitaphs last week or the week before. Here would be yet another one. Just be called a fellow worker and beloved brother. What else, do you, what else could you ask for? Or beloved sister and fellow worker. Um, some have assumed or, uh, again, have wondered because, like Brian talked about, there's, there's some of this that's a little bit mysterious to us we, where we don't know this information, uh, but that he was a teacher and influential member of the church uh, perhaps uh, at Colossae. And then the other thing that I wanted to point out is in verse 3 where he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a relatively uh, standard uh, greeting or closing of Paul, uh, also of Peter. And I came across, came across this recently in studying First Peter Uh, A very familiar greeting to the earliest disciples. Some have suggested that perhaps the word um, grace is a more Gentile uh, Gentile word. The word peace or shalom is a more Jewish concept. And so maybe it's a way of capturing the whole picture. And I came across that a few weeks ago and I thought that was worth kind of sticking up in my head and remembering so anytime you see grace and peace just kind of remember those two phrases one uh going well with the other philemon chapter or chapter one uh what is chapter one right but verses four through seven let's talk about verses four through seven for just a couple of moments here um in verse four he says i thank my god remember we've talked about thankfulness in prayer repeatedly And that's one of the points that I wanted to make here is that Paul here makes reference to his prayers for Philemon and then reinforces the pattern of prayer and what I would call informing. What we talked about seven weeks ago or eight weeks ago in our study of Philippians that Paul routinely says, uh, I'm going to pray for these three or four people and then I'm going to tell these three or four people that I've prayed for them. And that is the pattern that Paul adopts in his prayer life and a pattern that we should consider uh, adopting as well. And you'll notice there where he says, I thank my God. Anytime that we are prayerful, 
we need to be thankful. I think John made that comment two weeks ago or last week, one of the two, is the, the connection between prayerfulness and thankfulness. The two of those things need to go together hand in hand. And what we are sometimes wanting to do is, and I'm guilty of it, is doing an awful lot of asking without a lot of thanking. And we need to make sure that we are doing thanking and appreciation, um, thanksgiving, while we are also asking God of things. Uh, Verse 5, I like the New American Standard a little bit better, where it says, hearing of your love and faith. It says, because I hear of your love. How do others hear of our love? I didn't put that on the screen, but um, throw that out for a second, because I thought that was kind of interesting. Sometimes we talk about seeing a person's love. We see their actions. But how does a person hear of our love? whether that be individually or collectively. Other people boasting about me? Yeah. So one of those things David Creech points out is when other people boast about you. Boy, she was so kind in the way that she fill in the blank. He was so loving in the way that he fill in the blank. And again, it goes well with what I talked about um, either last Sunday morning or a couple Sunday mornings ago. The idea that everybody's contribution in a local congregation is important. It was last Sunday morning because I was talking about the gap, wasn't I? Um, The idea that everybody plays a role. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a gift. um, And that's so important to make sure that we understand and we appreciate. How else do people hear about our love? You being the recipient of it, right? And that kind of goes along with what David was saying, boasting about what a person has done for you. But we hear it frequently uh, when we hear about the good things that people have done. So that's true uh, when it's individual love. We want others to hear of our love individually. And it is true as a congregation or collectively. And uh, here's a, a silly question, be- silly questions because they have obvious answers. But do we, want, do we want this congregation to be known as a loving congregation? Well, of course we do. We want that reputation. We, and we want that individually as well, right? We want that collectively as a group of believers. We want it so that we can, um, I'm going to use the word brag. Uh, David used the word boast. But we want to be able to say, this is just an incredible group of Christians in the way that they help others, in the way that they love, in the way that they pray, in the way that they study, in the way that they, you again, fill in the blank. We want that to be our reputation going back to our study of Colossians. Uh, so because I hear of your love and of your faith in Christ. This goes well with what we talked about uh, in Philippians about five weeks, uh, six weeks ago when we were studying. We are thankful for each other, but one of the reasons that we should be thankful for each other is because of the faith that we share. Uh, And I've tried to incorporate that a little bit more when I'm talking to someone and say, I appreciate you, I appreciate your love, I appreciate the good that you do. But I'm also thankful for your faith. Uh, 
Because without your faith, we don't have that commonality that, where we share those things together. Anything on the first five verses that we haven't touched on that you wanted to bring out before we get into verses six and seven here? Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. Oh, Jonathan, sit way back there. Just quickly going to say, you speculated that it's possible that um, in his introduction, instead of calling himself an apostle, as he frequently does, he refers to himself as a prisoner and making it, uh, lending a personal note. There's some evidence to that because when we get down to verse 10, he's appealing to him as he would to a brother. He's not having to bring his authority as an apostle to the conversation to um, influence wayward brethren or anything of that nature as he does in other uh, epistles. But here he's making an appeal um, on the basis of a common brotherhood and a a common uh, father in God. Um, And I think that's possibly why you see what you see at the beginning. I think it's a really good observation. I hadn't made that connection between verse 10 and verse 1, but that's really good. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Um, and, I, and my mind immediately went to the letters to Corinth, where he does have to defend his apostleship. He does have to, as you said, kind of come down hard and say, this ought not be so. Uh, with the way that you're behaving and the way that you're conducting yourself. All right. Verse 6 says, The sharing of your faith. The New American Standard in verse 6 uses the phrase, The fellowship of your faith. Sharing in the New King James. Um, what does fellowship mean And without saying Sharing. Having something in common, commune, to commune, right? So, uh, and the reason I wanted to point that out or bring that up is for a couple of reasons. But one is, uh, I think we collectively as a society use the word fellowship much too loosely. Um, and we talk about, um, you know, especially when we're talking about it in spiritual overtones, there needs to be a specific, uh, there needs to be a real meaning behind it, I guess is what I'm saying. Maybe I'm not uh, making myself known as, but as well as I'd like to. But this sharing of the faith, this fellowship of the faith, this communion of the faith is a more important, maybe they say it this way, is more important than any relationship that we would otherwise share in any activity that we would otherwise be involved in. There we go. It's just that important. Um, Our faith is that vital. And I think we need to appreciate that, which is one of the reasons why, going back to verse 5, he says, I am thankful that I hear of your love and that I hear of your faith in Christ. He says, my desire in the New King James Version is that it may become effective... Uh, the, uh, some other versions use a couple of different words. But the point that I thought that needed to be made here is that our faith is important both internally and externally. And you could take that one of two ways. 
internally as an individual Christian and externally as me trying to share with others, internally as a congregation that is growing in faith and externally in a congregation that is trying to promote the truth in a community. So there's a lot of different ways of looking at that particular text and thinking about that. And then verse 7, what does love produce? It produces joy and comfort. Verse 7, let's reread that one more time. We have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. We have great joy and consolation in your love. Uh, the other thing on that phrase here is, and I mentioned uh, this idea of refreshed. Think of the impact that an individual Christian can have on others and how we can refresh each other's. So uh, let's get really practical here for a moment before we get to our practical applications toward the end here. But how can we refresh one another? What are some ways that we refresh each other? We should, we should be able to make a list of encouragement. encouragement, providing encouragement to one another. And that can appear in a number of different ways. Being here, one of the things that we sometimes, we sometimes maybe don't think enough about is that just being present and just seeing you is encouraging. Oh, I haven't seen him all week. I haven't seen her all week. That's encouraging to me. Uh, certainly calling one another, uh, contacting one another throughout the week is an encouraging thing as well. What else? How else do we refresh one another? Participation, right? By actually participating. Sometimes that means vocal participation. Sometimes that means just your presence in participating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bear one another's burdens. In fact, uh, to fulfill the law of Christ, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, we are to bear one another's burdens. Uh, and so you could, if you were writing an outline, you could delineate what does that mean? What does it mean to bear one another's burdens? Well, it means... Uh, I'm willing to suffer along with that person, like we talked about two weeks ago. It means a lot of different things. Anything else on how to, we're asking the question, how do we go about refreshing one another? Because Paul says, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, Philemon, you my brother. Singing to one another. Singing to one another, absolutely. When we come together and we sing uh, collectively, that is encouraging um, to one another. Brother John? Standing strong in challenging times. Standing strong in challenging times. Yeah. So that's encouraging. That refreshes. Oh, wow. She made it through that difficulty. I know that he's been struggling uh, in his workplace because of the tough environment in which he has to conduct himself. Those are all encouraging things to us. Those are ways that we refresh one another. Yes, Brother Bruce over here, uh, Cameron. Uh, and then we'll get to my last point here, and then we'll do some applications in our final six or seven minutes here. I think whatever we do goes back to verse six when Paul says we need to make our faith effective by acknowledging all the good things that are in us and in others, I would, would add, uh, in Jesus Christ. Very good. And, and by acknowledging them, using them. Very good. We didn't even talk about the word acknowledge, uh, and I'm glad that Brother Bruce brought that up because that is certainly key to what we are supposed to be doing in verse 6 where he says 
sharing your faith that you may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So we need to be men and women who acknowledge the good in each other. Um, not, in, not to the degree that we're trying to build up one another and, and make you prideful, but when you see good in a brother or a sister, mention that good to them or in a text or in a card or whatever the case may be. The other, the other interesting thing is, I thought this was kind of interesting, and that is the word brother used four times in Philemon. You may say, well, that's not very many. Well, it's only 25 verses, so that's once every six verses the word brother is being used. And it's used more in Philemon in a shorter span of time than in any other book of the New Testament. Um, there's something to be said about brother. Reminds me of uh, when I had first moved to California some 14 years ago or whenever it was, 14 years ago, there was a member of the church who ended up, I ended up becoming very close with, uh, ended up living with, with he and his wife for a number of years. And I remember, still remember the conversation I had with him because I saw him out on the workplace. He was, a, he was a construction driver. And I thought, that looks like that one guy. <laughs> and I, I was still learning names. And I told him about that. I said, were you at the corner of this and this uh, last week on, with your truck? He said, yeah, I was. I said, well, I wanted to say hi, but I couldn't remember your name. And he said, you could have just said, hello, brother. And I would have responded. And I said, well, you're right. So lesson learned. Um, so there's something to be said about greeting one another. You are my sister. You are my brother. We are brethren. What a powerful, wonderful um, reminder. Anything else in our final uh, couple minutes here? And then we, I've got some, I think I've got four applications for us from Philemon 1 through 7. All right, let's make these applications. And if we have a couple extra minutes, we'll go ahead and just read a couple of verses just to get a flavor for what we're doing next week. Key applications from what we've talked about in uh, our 40-some minutes together today. Number one, just because you don't do something major or important, there it is again, you knew it was going to appear, doesn't mean you're not valuable to the kingdom. Seems that that's a key part of Ezekiel 22. That's a key part of Colossians. And that's part and part of, uh, part of uh, what Philemon is being told here. Paul here is saying everything you do is valuable and everything that you do in that list that we, we made a list of three or four things about encouraging and building up one another and refreshing one another about how we go about acknowledging the good in one another. Uh, number two, teaching one single person can have a big impact on others going forward. Uh, Brian talked about how uh, Philemon and Paul would have met potentially, uh, I mean, Paul and Onesimus uh, would have met potentially in, in Rome, most likely in Rome. And then he sends him back like Bruce nicely talked about with this letter. Think of the impact that that had on either the church at Colossae or wherever they were. Think about uh, the impact that you may have had in one person's life just by teaching them the gospel. 
So you're not responsible for teaching the entire world, but you're responsible for teaching the entire world. Uh, a way of putting that is you're responsible for teaching what you can, who you can, planning and watering and allowing God to give the increase. But think about just how one person can, can make all the difference. Number three, we are brothers and sisters and should remember and never underestimate that bond. Never underestimate the value of the fact that we are a spiritual family and that we have each other because the world's not going to have our backs. They're going to do everything they can to destroy us, but we have each other. And then finally, we should strive to live so that others see and hear of our love of others and of the Lord. We want others to be refreshed by our, um, by our examples, by the way that we live. Other applications or other thoughts in our final, we've got, well, that clock there, we're at time here. We've got maybe 30 seconds to a minute here to wrap up. Any other thoughts? All right, we'll go ahead and pause there. Next week, if you would, read verses 8 through 25. We'll talk about that. And then the week after that, we're going to do a big review of everything we've talked about. Thank you so much.